you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners. Welcome to the World Series Week here in Boston for the 123rd ever show of All Around Sports. Each Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from the Hub to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net which comes to me through my website at www.iirsports.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, in a few minutes, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. My event of the week that I attended was last night's Game 2 of the World Series at Fenway Park. It was my first ever World Series game that I attended in person, so uh, I can cross this one off my bucket list. And it was a spectacular evening, a big event feel to the whole night at Fenway Park. The stars were out, to put it mildly, uh, from sports to Hollywood. And uh, for me, that means I've now been to all four major sports championship final rounds. So, uh, Again, nice to add that to the sports resume. So my highlight of the night was the David Ortiz home run over the Green Monster in the sixth inning. Uh, it was absolutely electric, to say the least. Uh, you know, at that moment in time, uh, Fenway was feeling it, and it was starting to feel like uh, a 2-0 lead might be a strong possibility. It put the Sox ahead 2-1. to one. The low light of the night was, from a Red Sox point of view, was watching uh, the Cardinal bullpen just literally mow down the, uh, the Sox batting order. Martinez and Trevor Rosenthal in the 7th, 8th, and ninth were just electric, to say the least, especially Rosenthal in the ninth. I don't know if I've ever seen a guy who... Uh, Closes out an inning quicker than this guy, as he did uh, in earlier rounds against uh, both the Pirates and the Dodgers. And the bizarre story of the night was the seventh inning throwing debacle by the Sox, where Johnny Gomes caught the uh, lazy fly ball and left, threw it home to try to get out what would have been the tying run. The Sox were up 2-1. to one. And then... Uh, and it went to the right of home plate down the first baseline, got by the catcher, and uh, Craig Breslow, the pitcher, then threw it to third and uh, literally threw it into the stands. And lo and behold, within an instant, the uh, Cardinals were ahead 2-1, to one, or excuse me, 3-2, uh, to two, added another run on a Carlos Beltran hit, 4-2, to two, and then the bullpen took over from there. So, again, quite an evening at, uh, at Fenway Park, 
to say the least. And, uh, yeah, the game one was also equally bizarre with the way the Cardinals were fielding, especially that fly ball that dropped uh, right in front of pitcher Adam Wainwright uh, and catcher Yadier Molina. It was just... uh, and many other bizarre fielding plays. So it must be contagious what's going on uh, out in the field. So now, as my former co-host, Lee Mont Williams from Outside the Huddle, likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. And next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Hi, I'm Ed Krell, CEO of Destination Maternity. We proudly support the March of Dimes work to reduce the rate of premature birth. The numbers have gone down in the past five years, but still, nearly half a million babies are born too soon in the United States each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs to help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit MarchofDimes.com. Get ahead in business and life. Read Getting It Done, 1,000 of the Best-Kept Secrets for Success in Business and Life by John Capozzi. Learn how John, a successful Connecticut businessman, obtained 13 corporate promotions in 13 years. This book makes a fantastic gift for anyone who wants to get ahead in business. Voice America will donate a portion of every copy sold to the USO. Visit gettingitdone.com and enter promo code VA1234 at checkout to get a 10% discount. That's gettingitdone.com, promo code VA1234 for a 10% discount today. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now... Back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. It's that time of the show when we typically have guests, and on the line is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of BAM Magazine. And A.P., how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing pretty good, John. I'm, I'm here in uh, downtown Hoover, Alabama. It's bright and sunny and it's a beautiful day, gorgeous day. Really? Wow. Hoover, Alabama, one of the high school football capitals of the world. 
<laughs> I know. I think they were on twice this year so far. I happened to catch that game last night. I was you know, quite interested to watch Bobby Humphrey's son, Marlon, the top-rated cornerback, and it's between Alabama and Florida State right now. And he, he reminds me of Bobby physically in the way he runs. He has his arms flailing and legs long striding, and he just looks like old Bobby Humphrey out there, number 26. Is that right? Wow. It does. That's exciting. And speaking yeah, of exciting, he, 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 how was the uh, Alabama game that you attended this past weekend? Yeah, um, Alabama, John, they were like a well-oiled machine. Uh, the 52-0 victory, they just ran up and down the field. Uh, they did something that hasn't been done in quite a while, and maybe the first time in history they had back-to-back games with two running backs gaining over 100 yards. The last time they did that was the SEC championship game against Georgia and the BCS National Championship game, Notre Dame. So last year it was uh, Eddie Lacy, T.J. Yeldon. This year it was uh, the freshman, uh, Derek Henry and uh, Kenyon Drake. And, and T.J. almost had 100 yards himself last week at 88 yards. Is that right? Wow. Yeah, so so it, was, yeah, it was quite a performance. I mean, I think that offensive line, John, is really coming together. And they have had a chance now to play for however many games, seven games, and the communication is much better. The execution is 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 uh, precise, and they're looking just like a dynamic unit, you know, almost similar to last year. I mean, I won't go that far, but they're, they're very good. That's great. Wow. And how was the crowd? Yeah, the crowd was good, but the only thing, uh, the student section, there's an issue all the time when that score gets lopsided, as it has been recently. They make a quick exit, so they received a stern tongue lashing this week from Nick Saban at the press conference that they're not going to be staying the entire game. He'd like the, the students to give their tickets to someone who would, who would you know, be more enthusiastic about being there the entire afternoon because it affects recruiting. I mean, they see the people in the stands that gets everyone fired up. And so it, it, Nick Saban, he's not one to, to back off, uh, and, and uh, this, especially something that affects his program. Wow. I hadn't heard that. That's, uh, that sounds pretty crazy, but, you know, he, make, he makes actually a, a good point. Um, how long has this problem been going on as far as leaving early, like just this year or previous year? No, I- yeah, I think it's something that the students, they, I don't know what it is, John, but they've had a tendency to do this through the years. So now, I mean, last week was like the whole lower section, it was just empty. And it it doesn't sit well with the alumni and, the, you know, the, the coaching staff. So it's an issue that they're going to, the university's going to address. I mean, they're snapping shots and taking photographs and, some of their privileges might be suspended because they have this uh, seating that's prearranged before the game. So if, if, if there's penalties that they'll hand out. There's a one-time violation and a second-time violation. You might be suspended for the whole season. You can't have that section. Wow. <laughs> and they take it serious, John. Go figure. And what time, uh, like, at what point in the game are they typically leaving? I, I'd say sometime by halftime. Hmm. My my. You know, yeah, the score was so lopsided. So, yeah, it, it's not it's not a pretty sight when you, everybody's you know screaming and yelling at one section of the stadium, and you look down there at the one end zone, and just there's no one there, it's sparsely populated. 
Huh. No, that's like uh, curious, to say the least, especially in a football-crazy area like that where, you know, they're looking at a potential dynasty. It's not a dynasty already, but a a potential history-making team, put it that way. And, right. Well, you know, I, I don't know what they're rushing off to to get to in Tuscaloosa, but, you know, they only get this, you know, what, six home games a year, and so... <laughs> yeah. Why would you leave? I don't get it. That's that is crazy. I, I don't either. I think they take it for granted that this golden air is going to be around for decades. You just can never tell. And right on cue, you... they literally. Yeah. I'm looking at ESPN <clears throat> in the background here, and uh, sure enough, they just showed the empty student section at the University <laughs> of Alabama last Saturday night. Yeah, now I know yeah. exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Oh yeah, it makes that Twitter, you know, the Twitter appearance right away. Right, right. Well, one thing's for sure. Uh, you know, I, I don't think they'll be leaving early with uh, Tennessee coming in tomorrow. I mean, Tennessee coming in off literally the biggest victory in the in the Butch Jones era, albeit short, where the where they beat South Carolina in what was just an absolutely fantastic ending last week. You know, John, they started the season, they got pounded by Oregon 59-14, to 14, but, you know, they're much improved. They have a strong offensive line, and, and they do have a good rushing game, John. So, you know, they're, they're actually uh, right around the same rushing yards per game as Alabama. Uh, so, you know, there'll be a, a challenge for for Alabama this week to see if they can stop that rushing game and Tennessee's on the rise. So it'd be, it'd be an interesting game, but I, I don't see, I don't see the score being close, John. I really don't. Right. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. Uh, you know, I just thought that I happened to watch the end of that Tennessee game, which was, you know, electric to say the least. And, uh, you know, I just thought, yeah, I mean, they're coming in on a high, but, you know, no, no reason to get unrealistic. The game is in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm sure in light of everything you're saying, uh, you know, Alabama is going to come ready to play, and I would think their student section should come ready to cheer. Oh, oh yeah. And, you know, John, you know, Tennessee is eighth in the league in rushing, right at over 200 yards, and Alabama is at 211 right now. But the, the one thing that I would be concerned with if I was a Tennessee fan they're 12th in rushing defense out of 14 teams, and that's Alabama's specialty. And once they start pounding away, they just get on top of you, and it's very difficult to, to stop them, especially with that one-two punch that Alabama has now. And then there's Derrick Henry, that freshman that you know about since you saw him down in Texas in the All-Star game. Right. Coming alive these last couple bunch of games. I mean, I think Nick Saban was kind of disappointed. He ran it to the middle of the line last week, running out the clock, and then he just bounced it to the left and went 80 yards down the sideline. He came running right by me. Is that right? He sure did. You were on the sidelines? I was on the sideline. He came running right by me, 80 yards. Wow. So well, another game I wanted to ask you about was uh, the LSU game. Uh yeah, a bit of a shocking loss because we were just talking last week about, uh, you know, how that LSU game was shaping up, as always, to be bigger and bigger uh, here in a few weeks. And then, lo and behold, they lose. They're down at uh, Ole Miss. And now another fascinating game to watch. 
Yeah, John, definitely surprised me. I, I know that in the past, LSU's went up to Oxford, and they have had some troubles uh, every once in a while. Uh, Ole Miss, for some reason, plays very well against the Tigers. But I didn't think it was going to be this year because LSU was scoring so many points, and the quarterback was not having turnovers. He had three turnovers last week. I believe it was three interceptions. And, and, and Ole Miss... You know, they've been tested now. They played A&M and a few other teams, Texas. So they came, you know, together and, and had a great upset. You know, it was a good, great win for that program. And uh, Hugh Freeze. Absolutely. And, uh, boy, if you're an Ole Miss fan, you've got to be excited. I mean, two weeks in a row. You know, the first two weeks ago was that spectacular game with Texas A&M and the Johnny Manziel comeback necessitated by Ole Miss literally scoring every time they had the ball in the fourth quarter. It was a classic <laughs> last team to have the ball was going to win type of game. Right. And then a mere week later after, you know, a disappointing loss for Ole Miss, you know, they come back and beat LSU. I mean, there's, we all know they had, you know, the top recruiting glass in the nation last year. And some of those people are on the field as we speak right now, freshmen, but I don't think even, the most optimistic Ole Miss fans could have been expecting immediate dividends like this by just, again, hosting spectacular games, literally. John, they're the first team to hold LSU scoreless in the first half of the, first half of the season. Really? Yeah, they're the first, first team to hold LSU scoreless in the first half this season. And then wow. they had you know, a high of three interceptions, as we spoke about, and they had three sacks. So, tremendous effort defensively by Ole Miss. Absolutely. Uh, well, you know, it's just, uh, it just goes to show you, again, you know, top to bottom, that the SEC just keeps, you know, bringing it every week. Their games are always just exhilarating to watch. Uh, you know, Tennessee, South Carolina, Ole Miss, LSU, whatever it is, uh, these days, almost any game with Texas A&M uh, <laughs> right. you know, still takes a little getting used to that they're in the SEC, but they are. And, uh, you know, any game they're in these days is, is fun. And, uh, you know, Manziel did it again last week, with, uh, even though they lost. But, you know, he came out and you know, he played injured, which, you know, would make his supporters love him even more, to say the least. Yeah, John, nobody has really stopped Johnny Manziel, but... But Auburn, uh, you know, they were leading the league in rushing, and I think we spoke about this before. They're very difficult to handle because they have those extra blockers that Gus Malzahn uses in his system, which is a little bit different than some of the other teams when they have that spread offense. He'll pull that right tackle and uh, right guard all the way to the left, and there'll be two lead blockers for the running back on the handoff. But that was that was a fabulous win by Auburn in the the first year, you know, back at. Auburn as the head coach for Gus Malzahn. So, I mean, they're going to present a challenge to anybody because they're, they're playing with a lot of confidence. And, and Malzahn, he definitely knows how to score points. You know, if they can get that defense, you know, tackling a little better and, you know, do some other things. It, it, could, it could come down to Alabama-Auburn for the SEC Western Division. Yes, yes. And, uh, and, Obviously, the Alabama-Auburn game is unlike any other as far as rivalry goes. And, yeah, I, I think Auburn got a huge jolt of confidence. I think it's probably, you know, maybe among their biggest victories since they won the national championship and then went into a, 
a down period the last couple of years, but uh, I, kind of, I think they kind of served notice that they're back. Let's not forget, you know, Texas A&M's only losses the last two years have only been to Alabama. Uh, you know, so it's, uh, you know, it just serves notice that Auburn may be back as, as, as a program. Yeah, nobody's taking the Tigers lightly anymore. If they, if they, you know, had that pencil in at the W before the season, I'm sure they got out their eraser last week after that performance. Well, absolutely. Uh, well, AP, we've covered a lot of the big games from last weekend. Now we can, uh, why don't we take our break now and we'll come back and talk about some of the uh, big games coming up for this weekend. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Are you a Philly sports fan? Maybe you're local to Philly, or you're a transplanted Philly fan. Either way, you want to check out Philly Sports Jabronis. It's a radio show that has nothing to do with Chicago sports. It's not about NYC, and L.A. can't even muster a football team of their own. It's all about Philly sports and nothing but Philly sports most of the time. Join your hosts Mike Greger and Joe Dara every Friday at 7 p.m. Philly time, 4 p.m. on the West Coast for the Transplants on the Voice America Sports Channel. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is one 888 Three four six nine one four four, or you can email me at iir at comcast dot net. And on the line with us still is our weekly call-in expert, AP Stedham of Bama Magazine. And AP, we got a couple. Uh, as usual, we got a couple of big games coming up again this weekend, uh, as is the case every weekend this time of year in college football. But Oregon versus UCLA. That game has potential to be uh, very entertaining, I'd say. Well, John, anytime Oregon's playing, I mean, if you want to be entertained, you're going to turn on the Ducks. Correct. Quarterback, I, I think, you know, John, I haven't studied it thoroughly, but that quarterback from Oregon, I mean, he might win the Heisman Trophy. He's, he's playing that well. Yeah, Marcus Mariota. He is. He is. This will be a good he, test where, where of, you know, 
a guy playing in the Pacific Northwest, you know, in the past, they, they weren't seen by a lot of people. I mean, or, you know, times have changed a bit there, but, you know, uh, Marietta could be the first to just kind of break through that visibility uh, factor and actually win the Heisman. Uh, it's been a while. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see somebody from that part of the country win. I, I, I'm trying to remember the last time somebody won it from up in that area. And Terry Baker, name, decades that, that's, ago. Yeah, that's the name that came to mind, John, that long ago. Surely there has to be someone since then, I would think. Uh, I remember, you know, uh, Ahmad Rashad, a.k.a. Bobby Moore, got a lot of publicity, but I do not think he won the Heisman. But he he made some noise out there, to say the least. Right. Yeah. No. He, I I think it's Terry Baker. Uh, and I think the year was '62. I think it was. Uh, Correct. John. That's I amazing. Right. If that's the case. Wow. That would just be shocking. Um. Yeah, it sure would. Well, it's funny. I mean, you know, just when I the mere mention of the name Oregon, the first word that come out of my mouth almost. Uh, you know, without even thinking about it, was just, as you said, entertainment. When I think of Oregon, I do think entertainment as opposed to, you know, other football terms. They are just that compelling to watch these days. I mean, I I think that, you know, the nemesis has always been Stanford, and I believe that game was at Stanford this year, so... You know, if they were able to get by them, I don't, I don't think anyone's going to stop them out in that coast. I don't, I don't believe so. I know. I agree. Um, you know, I, I think we'd all, you know, like to see Oregon. Uh, I would love to see Oregon-Alabama in the national championship game. I just think that would be spectacular. I, I'm looking forward to hopefully that matchup because the two teams have never played. And they've never played. Okay, I didn't ne- know that. Never have played. Never have played, John. Wow. Well, that would be just a classic, uh, to yeah, say the, the least, the, the, uh, in so many ways. Yeah, the contrast in styles, for one thing, right? I mean, that, that jumps out at you right away. Yes, well, you know, I'm reminded of uh, of Oregon, like, knocking on the door and all that, but have, haven't kicked the door down because uh, I was thinking a lot this week about uh, Bum Phillips, the former Houston Oiler coach who died. I covered the Steelers back when he was uttering those famous statements coming into Pittsburgh and the road to the Super Bowl goes through Pittsburgh. And I covered the two AFC championship games where Bum Phillips uh, – Bum Phillips was the Oilers coach, and uh, the famous Mike Renfro call that went against the Oilers. Uh, but anyway, colorful guy. I know you know Southern football, and I think you know. And I think Southern football, even you know, even now Texas way, Bum Phillips is you know one of a kind, to put it mildly. John, if you, we can pause for a moment, I'll tell you a quick story. I was with Ray Perkins on Monday evening at the First and Ten Club in Mobile, and he told the story of he from Mississippi, of course, but it, his uh, the summer of his senior year before entering Alabama, he moved to Nederland, Texas. So he didn't have any equipment, young fell out of Mississippi. So he went to the local high school, wanted to talk to the football coach. And who was the football coach? It was Bum Phillips. 
Oh, my gosh. And Ray was looking for some gear to work out, and uh, Bump gave him a brand-new pair of Ride L's. Really? <laughs> That's a true story. That's and, a great uh, story. Um, well, he truly was a Texas original, you know, with the big hat and the boots, one pair of which <laughs> was, you know, oiler blue. But, in fact, he was so big, this is, this is the best way I can say it, Perhaps in one of the only times in my entire career when the Oilers lost the AFC Championship game at Three River Stadium to the Steelers in like 78, 79 time frame, I went to the visitor's locker room just to get Bum Phillips' reaction, which is <laughs> something I never did ever when covering the Steelers. For obvious reasons, I would go you know, into the Steelers' locker room and... Uh, but that's how big he was at that point in time, you know, because, again, his famous line, what was it, that, you know, two years ago they had knocked on the door. Uh, this year they had, this is the second of three years, they had pounded on the door. And uh, then after that game, I was there when he said it. This is when I covered him in the locker room. He said, you know, and next year we're going to kick the door down. And that became like their battle cry. But they never made it back. Dan Pastorini, Earl Campbell, that, that was it for them. Yeah. Pastorini yeah, got injured the next year. That's what happened, I remember now. Yeah, yeah. you, you never can't tell about the situation. That's why you always, no matter what level of athletics or in life, you have to take advantage of those opportunities at the moment. You have to go for it, absolutely, which is why it's just switching sports. And I said this on the show you know, about a year ago this time which is why I will never understand, you know, the Washington Nationals, you know, holding back Steven Strasburg, and look what happened. This year they were favored by everybody to win it all, and they didn't even make the playoffs, didn't even come close. <laughs> so I believe, I'm a big believer, like you. When, when you have the opportunity, you have to go for it. Yep, yep. Uh, it's like a, a Kenny Stable type thing. Go deep. <laughs> go deep. There you go. Absolutely. But yes, again, it was just, uh, you know, a sad week. And, and lo and behold, in the very same week that Bum Phillips dies, the founder of the Houston Oilers died, uh, Bud Adams, another well-known Southern boy, to put it mildly. Yeah, that, that was amazing, John. I couldn't, when I was watching the TV, I couldn't believe how, what my eyes were seeing. At, you know, because we just heard about Bum Phillips and then the owner, Bud Adams. So, strange, strange things. Uh, those two were paired together for quite a while, and they had some success, and they leave this earth. Uh, I guess they were both about 90. Exactly, exactly. And, uh, you know, let's not forget Wade's, uh, Bum's son, Wade, is still very active in the NFL, defensive coordinator for the Houston Texans, I believe, these days, but former coach of the Dallas Cowboys. And, uh, yeah, uh, you know, a family with an interesting history. We hear a lot about, you know, the Ryan boys, sons of Buddy Ryan, but, you know, Wade Phillips has certainly made a name for himself as well, more as a coordinator and a defensive guru than, than a head coach. He, he sure did, sure did, John. And he's, he's had some success along the way, and uh, like his dad, he's, kind of a colorful figure in, in his own right. Oh, absolutely. Um, so some other interesting games, uh, you know, Ohio State versus Penn State uh, out in Columbus. I think that has potential to be very interesting. Let's not forget 
Ohio State has done, has not lost a game under uh, Urban Meyer yet, and they're undefeated, obviously. And uh, so, I, you know, obviously, I'm very familiar with uh, you know with Penn State as we've discussed often on this show, and coming off that huge, huge game against Michigan uh, recently, uh, they're going to be ready. It's going to be. Uh, I think that game could be intriguing, to say the least. John, they they must have the most uh, interesting freshman quarterback, I think, true freshman quarterback, Penn State, of all the teams. I mean, I know Jameis Winston is either rich or freshman, but Penn State, that quarterback, he's he's sensational. Right, right. Oh, no doubt about it. Um, Yeah, it's... uh... You know, it's just a great time of the year for college football. I mean, we're really starting to get down to some, uh, you know, definition starting to take place with some of these conferences, and you can really start to look at who might end up in bowls and and start to think about things like, you know, what if we have an undefeated Ohio State team as well as, you know, Florida State, Oregon, and Alabama. You know, then you start to project ahead to – what the Final Four could look like next year and the first year of the new system, things like that. It's fun. Oh, oh yeah, this year especially. I mean, it, I don't know what's going to happen, John, because usually it plays itself out. Where When they get down to the end, I think teams that are not normally at the top of the polls, they tend to play with a little tightness, and those that's where you see some upsets. And coaches, they don't, they're not as aggressive sometimes as they're getting close to that championship uh, opportunity. So it'd be interesting to watch somebody like, a, uh, you know, the coach of Florida State. And, uh, you know, he, he's been with Nick Saban in the past. You know, he might coach down down the stretch because they you know, notoriously have lost to somebody that's unranked. For instance, you know, North Carolina State, I think, last year it was. So it'd be fun to watch him. And then Oregon has the new coach. Uh, Mark Heltridge, so yep. But he, but he's. I mean, John, they haven't. Uh, they scored at least fifty points in every every game this year. I mean, they're unbelievable that offense. I mean, the least amount of points they've. Well, they one game at forty five. I'll take that back. One game at forty five, and then the rest is sixties or fifties. Which well, yeah, I mean, they are unique. I mean, put it this way: like last Saturday, I'm you know. Flipping around, it's, I think, 10.30 at night, and I was like, oh, okay, Oregon's playing and channel surfing, and, you know, I, I, I was like, the game just begun. This is great. I get to see them. I flicked over, and it was, like, still in the first quarter, and it was, like, 21 nothing. And it just like, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, that's what they do. That's Oregon for you. <laughs> I know you, when you flip the dial and you see those types of scores, you're saying, did they, they count some of those during the warm-ups? Or, or exactly. how did that happen? Right, no, it was it was actually you know I, I wasn't thrilled. I mean, I was ready to like sit down and kind of watch, thinking, well, it'll be a game for at least the first quarter, but it wasn't. I, I was a few minutes late, but uh, well, AP, we still have a lot more games to visit here, so why don't we take our break? And uh, I know you're sticking around for the other side as well, so we'll wrap it up after that.
flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. What's it like to live life on the edge? Fire in the hole. It's that feeling of exhilaration after doing something that pushes your limits every day. Action sports athletes live their lives on the edge. Join professional ski patroller, journalist, and author Kim Kircher every week as she talks to guests who are exploring the edge. We'll look at everything including risks, motivation, and the rewards involved with getting out on the edge. You want to tune in every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Bombs away. This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, that's presented to you by Outdoor Channel. Hey, we're talking wolves and the pros and cons of them with David Allen from the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation and Minnesota Deer Hunter Association Executive Director, Mark Johnson. Ah, we're a wolf pack with uh, Jeff Hagner, who's the Director of Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks, and finally, Mrs. Bonnie. And it's brought to you by Outdoor Channel and Ram Trucks. Wednesdays at 1 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. internet flagship station for sports voice america sports you're listening to all around sports with your host john inglesby become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144 that's 1-888-346-9144 or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net now Back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I am your host, John Inglesby. Back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And before we go any further, I just want to say that my pick of the weekend for appointment television viewing is indeed the World Series, mixed in with a lot of other football. Uh, But when you're based here in Boston, it's... uh, this week, all about the World Series, but AP, we were talking a little bit about, uh, you know, the sad news of Bum Phillips and Bud Adams, uh, both of the Houston Oilers, passing away, but there there was also someone else that you had remembered uh, we talked about during our break. Yeah, John, uh, Don James, uh, primarily known as the head coach at the University of Washington, by most people, he was also the head coach at Kent State, and he coached three individuals that are that were prominently featured during those years. Uh, Gary Pinkle, now the head co- coach of Missouri. Uh, Jack Lambert, the all-pro linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And one Nick Saban, a defensive secondary player for the uh, – I think that's the only time Kent State has won the MAC. How bad. Well, and I did not realize that Don James coached Jack Lambert, who I watched many times play in Pittsburgh. Yeah, and, and I had a, the privilege of speaking to Don James when Nick Saban was hired. He called me from Palm Springs. That's where he resided, um, you know, maybe half the year. He's still in the, in the Northwest, of course. Uh, but he told me about Nick Saban, young Nick Saban, how 
even though he played defensive back, he always wanted to learn about all the other positions on the field. He could see that coaching uh, element coming to in his personality, and he approached him on the baseball field one spring and uh, asked if he'd like to get into profession, and the rest, as they say, is history. So if it wasn't for Don James, maybe we don't have a Nick Saban. Wow. Fascinating. Um, and, uh, well, yeah, I always yeah, liked yeah, Washington. I mean, you know, remember names like Sonny Sixkiller, and they were one of the teams that, you know, when it seemed like USC and UCLA used to always win it, it was Washington, you know, by that, the, you know, the Pac-10 at the time. Um, and go to the Rose Bowl, it was Washington was one of, one of the early teams back in the day under Don James that would actually, you know, be the occasional winner of that conference and end up in the Rose Bowl uh, back when, again, it just seemed like every year it was USC and UCLA. And, of course, Stanford broke through a couple times with players like Jim Plunkett. Uh, and Washington had, you know, countered with players like Sonny Sixkeller. So those were some good days. The, the, that Washington team was great back at that program under Don James, to say the least. Yeah, John, he, I always tell people about the story they had the 50th uh, reunion of the Alabama and Washington Rose Bowl game. It was played in Tuscaloosa, and Don James' first year coaching, and Alabama beat him 52 to nothing. Well, three years later, uh, they're out there in Seattle. Alabama thought it would be a nice trip to return the favor. Well, Washington is making the winning drive. And they fumbled the game. Alabama escapes with about a four-point victory. So that's the significance of having a good coach at a university. 52 to nothing his first year to almost being the eventual national championship team, Alabama. Exactly. Three years later. Yes, no. and, and he always just impressed me as a, a true gentleman. I think he was beloved, literally, in the coaching fraternity. Oh, oh, yeah, he's the top dog out there, they call him, in, in uh, Washington. And, yeah, he's well regarded in the, in the profession, and, you know, he did a fabulous job there, and, and he'll be missed. And, he, and Nick Saban has always said he's the biggest influence on his uh, coaching career. Interesting. Wow. That's quite a statement coming from Nick Saban, who obviously worked under people like Bill Belichick, to say the least. So, uh, wow, that's interesting. Uh you know, just back to some of this weekend's games. Uh, you know, the SEC, when they chose the new teams to join their conference, they picked right because not only did they bring in Texas A&M with the Heisman Trophy winner Johnny Manziel, they also brought in the University of Missouri. And lo and behold, here they are in the uh, top ten in the country, uh, number five to be exact, and uh, undefeated and like, simply looking awesome. So they're playing South Carolina tomorrow. That's a big game. Yeah, that's a fantastic game, John, because if Missouri can win that contest, they'll probably have smooth sailing to the uh, Eastern Division of the SEC. I mean, they might lose a game in between, but they have such a lead, I don't think there's any way they can topple down in the standings. So they might be headed for Atlanta if they can beat South Carolina. And Believe it or not, you're going to see two backup quarterbacks for, you know, Matty Mock for Missouri and Dylan Thompson for South Carolina. And 
John, maybe some some of the folks don't know this, but that Maddie Malt coming out of high school, he had national records. I mean, twenty two thousand yards of total offense, nine, you know, eighteen thousand yards passing, two hundred nineteen yards touchdown, you know, two hundred nineteen touchdown passes. I mean, those are numbers I I never heard of in my entire life. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that about him. I mean, ever, you know, the fact they lost uh, James Franklin, their starting quarterback, in the game down at uh, Georgia. Um. Yes, I had no idea. Where Where did uh, Matty Mock go to high school? What state? Yeah, he's from Ohio, John, and and he's a two time Gatorade Player of the Year. Wow. So, I mean, you know, you might win it once by luck, you know, popularity contest, but twice. That's pretty impressive in the state of Ohio, known for great football, high school football. Totally, absolutely. And then for him to choose Missouri, that's an intriguing choice, but. That's one way to end up playing in the SEC. So here we go. That's going to be a fun one, to say the least. And, and John, the backup quarterback for South Carolina, he played uh, in the past. He's beat Clemson and East, East Carolina. And I think he threw a winning touchdown in the bowl game. Is that right? Wow. Yeah. Yes, I'm, yeah, and I'm, so, yeah. I mean, as backup quarterbacks go, you know. He's a name that most people are familiar with because, you know, he's had, he's had some playing time in the past. Yeah, so, um, you know, I, I wouldn't doubt, you know, South Carolina plays him close with the backup quarterback. I mean, you know, they're a little bit wounded, but I, I still think Missouri's going to win the game. It'll be close. I think Missouri will win. Yes, yes. Well, that's going to be a good one. Another team that, uh, you know, has had a near miss, but they're still, you know, undefeated, Miami. We're talking about some teams, you know, yeah. famous for their past successes. All of a sudden, uh, here they are back on the back on center stage once again. But Miami, you know, that was a, a tremendous comeback uh, to beat North Carolina down, you know, on the road recently last week. Oh yeah, I mean, I think that he's a very good coach, Al Golden. Me too. And I like him a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think they're really fortunate to have him. He's a steadying influence down there in a land where some strange things happen. So, you know, Miami, they, you know, they still got some difficult games ahead. But, but uh, yeah, I like I like what he's doing down there, and, and the alumni should be really happy. Yes, and finally they got those sanctions behind them. Uh, you know, the NCAA penalty investigation, whatever you want to call it, debacle. I guess would be the best word you could use to call it. And not, not just on Miami's part, it was also on the NCAA's part. But now everybody can move on, finally. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the end of that. And so Miami has to suddenly be feeling pretty good about themselves. You know, they only lost some scholarships and not that many to begin with. And then, uh, you know, and now they're undefeated. Uh, so I, I think Miami has to be pretty excited heading into this weekend, to say the least. Yeah, and, it's, and John, once again, how do you handle success for, the, for these teams Correct. that are, you know, rising up the ranks in the polls? You know, you're going to take a, a Wake Forest lightly. You know, Miami, it's a you know, noon starting time uh, down in Florida. So how will they handle the success coming up, that exciting comeback? It will be fun, and AP, hard to believe. We're at the end of the show already. Uh, thank you, as always, for calling in and lending us your college football expertise. It was great. 
Thank you very much, Sean. It's always my pleasure. Let's hope the Alabama students stay in their seats for the second half. <laughs> yeah, I hope so too, John. All right, and as always, Voice America listeners, thank you for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.